Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 387 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, the main man, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, Joe. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Uh, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. As always, we're going to start here in Pavis in France, over here at the Zenith de Paris. Um, friend, I was going to say friend of the show. No, not friend of the show. Hasn't been on before, but fellow Brit. Um, that's me speaking there. Lauren Price of Wales, now 3-0, and oh, a unanimous decision over eight two-minute uh, rounds there at welterweight against Naomi Manez, who's now uh, six and two. I think she was Canadian. Um, Lauren Price. I mean, it was expected really to, to to win on points. She did so. Like I say, goes eight rounds, I believe, for the first time there. Only three fights in the Olympic gold medalist. I think there's big things for her uh, to, yet to come. Um, so yeah, good for her there to get some experience on the road as a pro. I'm sure she had a, a ton of experience on the road as an amateur. Um, elsewhere on the card we had the undefeated Frenchman Farhad Saad he was 8-0 with a draw he got in there with McCauley McGowan who's 17-3 and with two draws uh, now it was a it was a majority draw over eight rounds there at super middleweight um, McCauley McGowan by the way was 11-1 to to win the fight on points I backed it very small I did that because I thought you know, Macaulay McGowan could win. I didn't I didn't really see anything on the Frenchman's record that made me think, oh wow, scary. I mean he was eight and oh with no knockouts. He had that one draw, like I say, hadn't boxed anyone of note. Um I think McGowan had quite a decent bit of notice for the fight. And even though McGowan himself isn't fantastic, he is tough. But both guys were, you know, quite tough and and weren't really punchers. So I always thought it was going to go the distance. It certainly did. But I thought McGowan could have could have nicked it. And he definitely did nick it, by the way. But I think there was a lot of poor scoring throughout the night. And we will get to that in the next couple of scorecards that we're going to read out. But... But yeah, um, it was it was a shame really because they they've protected Farhad Saad there. He's still undefeated, unbelievably. But McGowan certainly deserved the decision. A little bit late on in the fight, I think he started to tire. He got caught with a couple of decent looking shots, but. I don't think he was going anywhere, but I think he did enough early on to rack up enough rounds to win it quite clearly. But obviously, the judges saw different. Um, Moving up the card again, I'm going to come to you, Eddie, for this one. It was Thomas Four, who was 21-4 and with a draw. It was for the vacant EBU European light heavyweight title. He stepped in with the UK's undefeated Dan Aziz of Lewisham, now 19-0, and a TKO in the 12th and final round. Um, action-packed fight, really. Um, you know, I think Dan Aziz pretty much won every round, for me anyway. Maybe I'm seeing it slightly biased. The bits I did see, I think he... 
you know, he out he outfought the, the the Frenchman, and he was much smarter. You could see the IQ was was much more in his favour. The Frenchman as well had had absolutely no head movement at times, and every time he'd take a jab and in the face or any other punch, he'd do that thing where his head moves like a meter backwards. Like even if the punch doesn't land hard, it looks like it's landed hard because the the jerk kind of backwards that, he, that his head did after every time he got touched on the whiskers. I think you know what I'm talking about. It, it doesn't look good in the eyes of the judges Eddie but anyway a really good stoppage from the referee in the end even though it was the 12th and final round you know he was he was he was um very close to you know not getting knocked out going that late in the fight but really 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 good stoppage from the referee in the end and um yeah you know he was very shaky on his feet yeah excellent fight first it's actually my first time I think uh watching that this season he impressed you know there was subtle defensive things, you know, aside from how good his offense looked in the jab and just the constant pressure and not being deterred from the Frenchman actually being, you know, friendly with the punches. He was throwing shots. He was trying to keep them off, but he was, uh, he just, he just was determined. And you could also see that, like I said, the subtle defensive things he was doing, but a guy was catching certain shots, riding, shoulder riding with certain shots. Uh, you know, making a miss completely sometimes, and then coming back with counter shots. But I think the real, uh, the real MVP for of, of the fight in that was his jab, because that sometimes, even if something else wasn't really, you know, working as he would have wanted to work, that jab was always on point. Even like you said, Joe, when he would block certain shots, it looked like it would give him that jarring whiplash kind of, uh, you know, effect with the head jerk and um, I don't know about I don't know if he won every single round but he definitely uh, won the vast majority of them and uh, the stoppage in the end I have to agree it was, it was definitely a pretty good stoppage even though it was the last round the guy was you know at some point even with even if it was like a minute left I'm not even sure how much time was on the clock but even with the minute left there's a lot of damage that can be done with somebody's defenses and you know sometimes the refs are a little more like, oh, well, the fight's almost over. I don't want to be too big of a part of the fight. And, you know, I don't want to create this, this this buzz of me being a ref that steps in too soon and all of that stuff. But I think it would be better if you, if, if you step in too soon rather than too late. And I think this ref was thinking that then. Uh, I think it was a good stoppage. Like I said, the, he was controlling the fight. He was pretty much going to win. You know, pretty much in, in, in there wasn't really much that Frenchman was going to be able to do didn't seem that he was going to be able to hurt his ease enough to get him out of there with one shot. So um, it was a good job in the end by the ref. Good fight. Like you said, action-packed. I was really impressed with Dennis. He's being my first time seeing him. He left a pretty good uh, impression on me. Yeah, really happy for Dan Aziz, man. You know, he's he's done things the old-fashioned way, you know, going through the the titles and stuff. I think he won a southern area, um, you know, obviously become British. Now he's moved on to European. So really happy for him. You know, I think he's improving all the time. Really happy for him. Nice guy as well. Um, okay, moving on to the 
the, the next card. It took place at the Echo Arena in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. This one over here. Let's start with the undercard. Campbell Hatton with a win now. 10-0, a points win there. Over six rounds against the... I think he was... Oh, I don't want to say where he's from now because I've completely forgotten. But Michel Gonche, he's now 4-3 and three with a draw there. A win for Campbell Hatton. Akib Fiaz uh, finally did get a knockout. It was in the eighth and final round. He's now 11-0 with one KO. He was able to stop Dean Dodge, who was down in the first round, by the way. Uh, Johnny Fisher as well moved to 8-0. A TKO in round four against Alfonso Damiani of Italy, who's now 6-3. and three. Um... He was quite a tough guy, to be honest with you, Damiani. He took a lot of big shots right on the chin. Um, he, he didn't go down at all. It was the referee that jumped in after basically a few good punches landed. Not really like... It wasn't like he was on the ropes getting pummeled and, you know, the referees jumped in. He just took a few really clean, massive shots to the head like bang, bang, bang. And after a couple of them, you know, maybe two or three over about 10 seconds, uh, the, the referee just thought, you know what? He's took too many clean shots right there. That's that. And, you know, I mean, it was all, it was always going to just go one way anyway. But, yeah, I had Johnny Fisher to win <laughs> within within four rounds. So I was delighted. There. I was getting a bit worried when it was in round for I was I was jumping for joy at that stoppage actually but obviously let's let's be real you know that aside it, it wasn't the best stoppage ever but you know he was he was really getting on top and I don't like to see as as we alluded to earlier or as you alluded to earlier Eddie I don't like to see obviously um, referees stopping it uh you know too late I prefer them to stop it too early than too late but anyways it is what it is uh win there for Johnny Fisher he moves on Bosch it's now eight and oh for him seven KOs uh Peter McGraw on the card as well now 7-0 and a unanimous decision for him over 10 rounds against Nicholas Bartelli who's now 14-8 and I thought McGraw would probably get him out of there actually it looked that way after a few of the early rounds seemed like you know he was up in the pressure and getting to Bartelli but no good good 10 rounds bank there for for Peter McGraw still a really good prospect I think and um really excited for his development and his future as well as a pro um this one was a bit unexpected. Rhiannon Dixon, who's now 8-0, she had no knockouts to her name. She got in with the undefeated Vicky Wilkinson, who was 5-0 with a draw. No knockouts to her name. So both ladies hadn't knocked anyone out. And um, yeah, Rhiannon Dixon did end up costing me a little bit of change, actually, when she managed to, to TKO Vicky Wilkinson in round 6. Wilkinson down twice in that 6th round from body shots. Really unexpected, like I say. I cannot believe that Dixon chose that night there to get a knockout and it was probably against one of the best opponents she'd been in with really um, it was for the vacant Commonwealth uh, lightweight title as well so that is a title that Rhiannon Dixon now holds elsewhere on the card we had Diego Pacheco invade the UK from Mexico he's the latest Mexican to come over here and beat and stop a UK fighter um, he's now 8 and oh, uh, sorry 8 and 0 oh, 18 and 0 oh. um, Jack Cullen on the receiving end now 21 and 4 with a draw Cullen down twice in round four good fight while it lasted to be honest with you it was for the vacant wbo international super middleweight title jack cullen is such a tough guy always comes to give it a good go um you know doesn't particularly do anything fantastically well just does the basics really well not much of a banger at all but so much heart so much grit so much toughness he's upset the apple cart like i said in the past more than once and um He's a tough night's work, really, for a lot of guys over here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Diego, 
Pacheco was just too good. I think he might have gave away the first one or two rounds because Cullen was on that jab and, you know, boxing really well to a smart game plan. But then, like I say, Diego Pacheco started to, you know, get through that guard of Jack Cullen and it wasn't long then till the punches started to rein in and obviously he's got those undeniable heavy hands and he was able to just like I say target the body of Cullen and Cullen's been hurt to the body before and that's what happened again here Pacheco um, with devastating shots really to, to Cullen's body and then Cullen went down like I say got back up and pretty much you know boxed on and the referee obviously you know allowed the fight to continue and that's when uh Diego Pacheco went running in right over the other side of the ring for Cullen Cullen was just protecting his body completely because he knew he couldn't take another shot downstairs he left himself open upstairs and um yeah Pacheco took full advantage crack crack and it was a it was quite a heavy brutal knock out in the end uh for for young Diego Pacheco it was quite a bad one um so yeah sad for Jack Cullen because like I say I think he deserves you know, some kind of big fight or some kind of fight where he's kind of put in there to win. Um, he deserves, like, I don't know, maybe to, you know, go back a little bit, maybe fight for a British title or something like that. I think he's certainly, certainly good enough, but he's just been, you know, he's been like, what's the word? Like, um, kamikaze management, I think, you know, like he's he's just... The way he's been moved, it's just been risky fight after risky fight. They haven't given him any time to build. It's a shame. I actually think he could beat a lot of guys, but you know, he's he's an away fighter through and through, and it's just it's just a bit of a shame. He kind of reminds me of a few other guys as well that are on that same kind of page as him, like um um who springs to mind, like James Metcalf, like um oh, who's that other guy? Um fought Ammo Williams, oh god, Brit that fought Ammo Williams, went the distance with him, really, really tough, Kieran Conway, uh, Kieran Conway, he's another one, you know, like, really tough guys, good fighters, but, you know, for whatever reason, they just, they're, they're like, not with a good promoter or whatever, and they're just always in the away corner, you know, always in with a, with a guy expected to beat them, and sometimes they pull off an upset, sometimes they don't, so... Yeah, I feel for Jack Cullen, but a great win nonetheless for for Pacheco. And, you know, a lot of people think he's going to go all the way. We shall see. And uh, it wasn't the main event, but it was it was on the uh, undercard. Robbie Davies Jr., friend of the show. Heartbreak for him. He's now 23-4. and four. He was down in round two and then once in, in, in round three. Um, and it was just horrific, actually. He was in there with Dara Foley, who was a late replacement for Liam Parrow. Foley now 22-4 and four with a draw. Um, a massive upset, really, uh, for Foley. But basically what happened is um, I missed the first, I think, the first round. The second round, when Davies did get put down... Um, I think he was down quite heavy, if I'm not mistaken. Got back up, went back to his corner, but then that 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 knocked down in the third and final round. Basically, Robbie Davies walked into a shot. It was like I don't think it was a jab. I can't remember now what the shot was, but he walked into a shot and it put him like he walked into this shot that put him like on his on his on his uh, like on his back foot. You know, like he walked into a shot and it immediately made him like forced him to take a step back automatically and when he took that step back his ankle gave way and it was disgusting like literally his his ankle was on the canvas and his his foot was to the side it was like one of the worst uh 
you know, ankle injuries I've seen in boxing that I can remember. It was so horrific. And of course he couldn't carry on at all. He was on the he was on the ground. God knows how he got himself back up. And, you know, everyone initially thought, oh, he's been put down by a shot that didn't really look like much, because like I say, it wasn't really a powerful shot. It just put him on his back foot and like I say, his foot gave way. I think it was his front foot that gave way as well. It was all a bit weird. But when we saw the replay, I mean the crowd just they went, Oh you know, it was it was terrible. We got back up and he was pointing at his ankle saying like, look, look, my ankles, you know, and obviously the towel come in and then they had to bring the stool to him and sit him on it. And he was devastated, went to the hospital. Um, I think he's he's already had, uh, you know, uh, an operation on it. And I think I'm saying that like that's uh, that's some breaking news. I think it happened the, the same night they, they operated on his ankle. It was it was terrible. It really was. So all the best to him. Hopefully he can make a speedy recovery. However, I think, you know, I think it's probably nearing the end of the road now for Robbie Davies Jr. Um, yeah, haven't been very impressed with him in recent years. And this is, this is like really, you know, they say the the cherry on top of the cake. This is like the now in the coffin, I think, for him, sadly. But all the best to him, like I say, friend of the show. And moving out now to the final card to mention uh we're gonna go to this one first actually uh there's there's two so one to mention here hector tanahara friend of the show now 21 and one with a draw a unanimous decision win for him over six rounds against john arellano that one was at the alzafar shrine in san antonio texas but the main card really of the weekend at the kudos bank arena in sydney olympic park new south wales australia over here we saw Tim Sue now 22-0, and a TKO in round 9 against Tony Harrison, now 29-4 and with a draw. It was for the, uh, for the WBO Interim World Super Welterweight title. Um, I'm going to come to you in a second, Eddie, but um, yeah, Tim Sue just, just too good. I mean, I thought it was close to a 50-50 fight going in. I really did. I know, obviously, Sue was the big favourite, um, but Harrison, I mean, I said it, you know, I said it's kind of like... Uh, last chance saloon for him to pick up a title again and yeah I mean I feel like I almost spoke those words into existence because he was so so unimpressive to the point where I don't think he can come back from this I think that is the end of the road for him sadly I like the guy but yeah I mean it was just it, it was terrible I mean obviously you know um Sue as the fight went on, got stronger and stronger and stronger. At one point, it looked like he may go the distance, you know, and not get him out. But when he got him out, he got him out, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was just the speed and power of Sue. Um, it, it's real now, I think. And like I had highlighted, I wasn't really too impressed with Harrison's recent run. You know, you've, you've got to go back... Um, you know, quite a few years really for his last really good win. And I think we said it was like a majority or split decision win against Ishe Smith and obviously had the controversial win over Charlo and lost the, the, the next one by stoppage. And it's just not been a great run. And like I say, he's not too old, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's it really for him. Um, Sorry that I didn't go in on that too scientifically, Eddie. I'll probably leave that for you to go in on. But yeah, you know, I think Sue has proven himself now that he's he's definitely much more than just his father's son. The surname is, is irrelevant and this guy can seriously fight. And he made an example out of Tony Harrison who 
is a respected, proven, good fighter. And not many people do that to him. That's a fact. I mean, he it was an impressive performance. I didn't realize the explosive speed he had as well, along along with the power that was coming behind it. Um, you could see the difference with um, with the punches that Zoo was throwing versus the punches, obviously, that Tony was throwing. And it wasn't unlike any of the other performances that Tony had. He was just so more, much more, I think, effective with his offense. Is In this time, he wasn't really as effective. I think Zoo early, like you could see him, you know, coming with the – with the shoulder roll return, return right hand and uppercuts and things like that. And his punches just look so much more explosive and so much more authoritative. And, and, and he, he just was assuming control right, right off the bat. And it was like, you know, Tony, like I said, there was some, there was some times when he tried to get back. He tried to throw some jabs, some, some nice slick shots, some good, you know, good punches and at different times, but it just, it just wasn't going to be enough there. You know, Zeus too, 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 um, too good at this point you know what i mean um and maybe it's tony's a little older he's been through the ringer a little bit like you said his last his last stretch of fights haven't been the greatest you know what i mean even if you're talking about including uh you know the charlo rematch but um i mean i, I don't know if I, I would say he's done i just think this dude is good you know what i mean i think he's a lot better than you know than than maybe he was getting credit for before it's like oh he's costa's son uh and you know, and, and quite honestly, he looks a lot like him too. <laughs> just, just to be, he's a bigger, I guess, a bigger version, but he looks a lot like him. And uh, he performed really, really well. I think he's no, there's no question that he's going to be the, one of the best guys in the division. I'm not sure about the fight with Charlo. Different styles, you know what I mean? Say different strokes for different folks. So it could be a different kind of situation. We don't know what would happen in that fight. However, he's definitely going to be a formidable, formidable opponent for anyone at the 154 to, to 160 uh, pound divisions uh, in the years to come. Hey, shit, he can go have heavier, lighter, whatever he can do. He's just he's just a capable fighter. Yeah, I have to agree. I think if he can get Charlo to Australia, by the way, for that fight, I think he's got a huge chance. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not you know getting carried away with this victory here. Like I say, I think Harrison was a lot worse than I expected. Um, rather than you know Sue being so much better than I thought, that's that's kind of how I saw it. But yeah, I think Charlo's clearly still the number one man, of course. Um, on the undercard as well, we should mention Sam Goodman has moved to fourteen and oh, it was for the IBF Intercontinental and WBO Oriental Super Bantamweight titles, a unanimous decision there against former world champion Ireland's very own TJ Doheny, now twenty three and four. Um, like I say, I'm not sure how close that fight was. I didn't watch it, but yeah, sad to see Doheny now losing to guys that he probably would have obliterated during that mini run that he had where he was, you know, a, a very, very good fighter in the division. But anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up this part, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former unified super bantamweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Brandon Figueroa. Brandon, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, yes, sir. It's, it's always a, a, an honor to be here, and thank you for having me every time. 
Hey, it's, it's my pleasure every time, Brandon. So fantastic to have you back. We last spoke in June of last year, so it's been a little while. Um, at the time, you were getting ready to fight Carlos Castro in your first fight up at Featherweight. You became the first man to stop Castro. Um, I know it's a bit in the past now, but how did it feel to be in there in your first real fight at 126 without having to shed as much weight as usual? Oh man, it felt amazing. I mean, as you guys can tell by my, by my performance, I felt really confident. Um, you know, my power was there. Everything, you know, I just felt more like a, like a complete fighter. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great fight. Carlos Castro came to fight. Um, you know, but I feel like I just uh, got him early and hurt him to the body early. And I just felt like he 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 just didn't have anything to beat me with. So. Um, I take the fight right to him, put the pressure like I always do, and I, I managed to, to, to get him out of there. And obviously, your, your last fight, just less than two weeks ago, that excellent fight against Mark Magseo for the vacant interim WBC title. Um, walk me through the fight, Brandon. I was particularly surprised when you came out in the first two rounds and tried to box at range, predominantly in Southpaw. I thought you were an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> No, yes, of course. You know, we, we, we have seen a lot of footage on Mark Masayo and we had seen that he, he's had a lot of trouble with lefties uh, coming forward. And I, uh, he, he's, he's had trouble with top fighters, lefty fighters, fighters that put pressure and fighters that box. So technically, I mean, I, I, had, I had all the abilities to frustrate him and beat him. I just knew it was a, a, a time uh, when and where, you know, that's why the first two rounds I boxed him a little bit. Made him, make him think that I was going to box him. And then as soon as I saw uh, an opportunity where I heard into the body, that's when I put the pressure as a lefty. And and as you guys can tell, the, the game plan worked. You know, he was gassed out, I want to say, by round six. But, yeah, you know, uh, as me as being a, a, such a versatile, unique fighter, I have a lot of abilities that, you know, I, I feel like I haven't really shown. And I feel like this fight, I kind of showed showed a little bit, you know, a little bit of my ring IQ that, you know, I saw on, on uh, I saw that he had a lot of trouble with tall, lanky fighters, and especially uh, uh, inside fighting as well. So uh, yeah, you know, I just boxed him a little bit, made him uh, a little frustrated, and then once I saw an opportunity, I just put pressure on him. Yeah, like I say, those first two rounds were quite surprising. Um, you know, I think it was the later part of round two where you went back to your, your, your normal style, you know, that come forward, all pressure style, the one that the fans love to see. That's when I knew it definitely was you in there and not a lookalike. Um, <laughs> when you went into that mode, you started to clearly dominate the fight, in my opinion. Those body shots, though, Brandon, they were certainly key in the end. No, yes, of course. Uh, you know, it, it was that part of the game plan. Um, you know, we were we were supposed to actually box him for four rounds, um, but like I said, really quickly, I saw I saw a little chink in the armor right away, right off the bat, and I knew and I knew that I just had to apply a little bit more pressure. And you know, it it I had to apply the pressure early on due due to the fact that um, it it was so effective. And not only that, I mean, I have I have uh, stamina for days, so I knew that that I, I knew about pressed him a little bit earlier than what we usually had planned. I mean, he was he was uh, uh, done, like I said, by round three, four. Um, he had not no legs, no nothing, and like I said, 
I, I, I went into my old style really quickly because I saw that it was really effective against them. And yeah, I mean, I just put the pressure and I, I wasn't letting up. Yeah, I mean, no one beats you on the inside. And you say there that you felt, you know, he, he pretty much faded after a couple of rounds. I thought he had a, a decent start to the first couple of rounds. I, I think his footwork was, was um, quite quite effective. Um, someone, though, who didn't think you dominated those early rounds was the unofficial broadcast judge, Steve Farhood. Have you watched it back or seen his scorecard at all? Um. Yeah, I think I think they, I believe they he were. Had it, I believe he had it four-two to Magsayo after six rounds, which was very controversial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know the scorecards were were very controversial, but um, I mean, I I just felt like I I, I did what I had to do. You know, I felt like Magsayo threw the best at me, and I handled it. And he like I I feel like he he. He threw his best shots against me, and, and it didn't phase me. And I felt like when I threw my best shots at him, he was holding on for dear life, falling on the canvas. Uh, like I said, he had no no air, he had no stamina, he had no conditioning. He had his legs were gone. He was he, he was absolutely exhausted. So um, I guess the judges saw that, and I and I know they took away the points. And also not only that, but I mean he was falling to the canvas like by himself. So that's already like. At least two of them should have been kind of as a knockdown, but I'm happy with the with the with the decision, and I'm happy the way things turned out. You know. Yeah, for sure. I think the judges in the end, the official judges, got it right. I think you were a clear winner. Just the um, yeah, Steve Farhood, obviously, with his scorecard in 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 the commentary, I thought was quite questionable. But anyways, let's leave that there. Do you think that the fight could potentially be one of the fights of the year? I know we're only in March, but do you think it will still be one of the best fights? Um, not not now that I look back at it. Uh, maybe if Mark Masali would have given me more of a fight, I felt like it would have been more of a fight of the year candidate. But I feel like in the later part of the fight, he was just holding on and and you know making it a, a really rough. You know, uh, he he was just hanging on, holding on, and and making it that type of fight. So I feel like he took the 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 excitement away from the fight by holding and and making it making it like that. So. I would say I would say yes in a way, but at the same time, I know what a fight of the year looks like, and uh, I would like to say like maybe he would have gave me more action. Uh, maybe it would have been a contender, but uh, I want to say it's a fifty-fifty. You say there that you know maybe if he gave you more action, that leads me into my next question. Perfectly, I wanted to ask which of these two fights did you? find harder yourself the fight against Max Sire or the fight against Stephen Fulton so oh, for sure the Stephen Fulton uh, fight um, I felt like Mark Masaya like I said he ran out of gas early on and um, you know he fought my fight and I felt like with Stephen Fulton uh, you know it was I had to chase him a little bit more Fulton had more legs to run so I felt like I, I, I had to press uh, Stephen Fulton more and use more of my abilities to to tag him up, not, not only that, but I mean, it was at 122, which was, I was a little bit weaker, a little bit more, you know, not, not that complete. So I can't really make the comparison, but I would like to say that the Stephen Fulton one was definitely uh, the tougher one. And speaking of Stephen Fulton, he steps in with Naoya Inoue, uh, made a seventh in Japan. How do you see that one going, Brandon? 
Oh, that that's gonna be a great fight. That one can be fight of the year. Um, that one is, is gonna be definitely one for the books for them. Um, it's gonna be an exciting fight, you know, as a boxing fan as well as a boxer. Uh, uh, uh that does this. Um, this is really good for boxing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just it just I'm I want to say the winner goes to the one that prepares the best. Uh, Inui, like I said, Inui is a very special fighter, unique. But Stephen Fulton is also a very special, unique fighter. So I just feel like it's just whoever makes the first mistake and whoever prepares themselves the best for the fight will be, I feel like, the winner. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I you can't take away from nothing. Both of these guys, you know, these guys are have a, a, a great resume. Their fighting styles are, are unique, and it, it's going to be a good matchup. So you feel like the fight is pretty much a 50-50. Um, do you... Do you necessarily want one guy to win the fight, or do you not really care? Uh, I mean, I don't really care. Uh, but at the I'm same just time, thinking, I mean, if Fulton wins, that might, you know, that that kind of that controversial loss to him looks a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I, I don't really care about that because I know, I know, I know along the line, I know with time, uh, we're we're gonna have that rematch. So I know right now, you know, I'm I'm at one twenty six. You know, he, he he has an objective at 122, and that's to win the belt. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am rooting for, for Fulton to, to come up victorious and for him to bring the belts back to America. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it not, not not only for my sake, but, you know, just, just for him in general and for, for USA, you know, it, it, it'll be really good for boxing. Not only that, but maybe we can get a, a fight at 126 and make it bigger and, bigger and better than, than any of his fights. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you're now the interim WBC champion. The full champion, of course, is Ray Vargas. Is that the plan moving forward in the kind of not-too-distant future? Uh, hopefully. I mean, hopefully. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm the type of person that I'll get in there with anyone. Um, I, I want the best of the best. I've always said this from the start of my career, that I wanted to fight the best of the best. And... I want to make these fights uh, exciting, you know. I love, I love fighting, and not not only that, but I love to give fans a great show and give the fans, uh, but you know, the tickets worth, and and make sure the fans leave home with with a satisfaction that, you know, they're not gonna get it with with a lot, with a lot of other boxers. You know, I'm an all action fighter. I come forward and I fight. You know, I I fight my butt off every time I get in the ring and. Everyone knows that whenever whenever I'm gonna fight is gonna be a fighter fighter of the year candidate because they know what I bring to the table. Yeah, a hundred percent. I can't disagree with that at all. Um, obviously, you were on the undercard of Vargas's fight against Magsayo when he beat uh, when he beat Magsayo, but he recently lost his O to Oshaki Foster, Ray Vargas. How do you think that fight would go with you two? I know you're you're gonna say probably another fight of the year contender. It always is when Brandon Figueroa is involved. No, yes, of course, and and yeah, you know, it's another fight where I'm gonna have to be pressing Revarga since he's a boxer, lanky fighter. Um, so I definitely just have to press him the whole fight and do what I do best, which is, excuse me, which is apply pressure and and you know, keep keep uh, throwing in a lot of punches. You know that that's what I do best, and I feel like it'll be re- very effective against Vargas. And obviously, during your fight, you suffered a cut, I believe, maybe on both eyes during the fight. How are they healing up, Brandon? Oh, yeah, they, they already healed up. Um, you know, it was mostly like little scraps from the head, from the head, him rubbing his head on my face. 
I mean, I'm 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 a really white complexed person, so like any little thing will mark my face up. So, yeah, now they 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 already healed up by now. They healed up. I want to say like in five days after my fight, so they weren't really deep cuts. Okay, fantastic news. And when would you like to be out next, ideally, Brandon? If it were up to you. Uh, I mean, I I don't really care. I mean, I'm I'm right now. I I've been at the gym as I I was at the gym Monday. You know, I fought Saturday. I was there. I was already at the gym Monday. Um, and I'll be at the gym after this interview. So, you know, I'm maintaining myself. I'm, I'm, I'm busy with, uh, with it and I'm just excited for the next fight. I mean, I'll, I'll be ready by summer, midsummer, after summer, you know, it doesn't matter, um, whatever, uh, to do, or if there's another fight lined up for me, you know, I'm just more than happy, uh, uh, to fight and I'll, I'll be ready for whatever. We cannot wait to see you fight again. And just finally, before we let you go, Brandon, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, like I say, uh, you've been on this show many times before. It's always a pleasure having you on. The listeners love you. Do you have a closing message for them? Oh, yes, sir. You know, just a big shout out to all my UK fans. You guys are amazing. And it it, it always feels nice to get love and support from from literally uh, across the ocean and Hopefully one day, one day I would love to visit uh, UK and and you know have a tour over there, maybe have a fight over there one day. And I know you mentioned it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully uh, in the future I would love I would love to have uh, a trip over there to the UK. And um, I know it would be amazing. It's crazy how 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 you know how I have a, a a lot of fans all around the world. And you know I'm just a small kid from a small town, and to me it means a lot. So I'm just very grateful. So. Thank you uh, for this interview, and, and thank you for all my UK fans. Love you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you deserve it all, my friend. You bring me action every time. Uh, listen, Brandon, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Like I say, congrats again on that great win, and we'll speak again real soon, I'm sure. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for the interview. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part of Coursey News, part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It's official May 20th in Dublin. Katie Taylor against... Chantel Cameron. It is unbelievable. This is literally a women's super fight. I cannot wait to see it. So happy for Chantel Cameron, who of of course has been on the show a couple of times in the past. She genuinely never thought Katie Taylor would want to fight her. And, you know, it's fantastic that this is happening. It really is such an unbelievable fight. I'm such, such a fan of this fight happening, obviously, for Katie Taylor as well, a homecoming for her, and yeah, her chance to become a two-way undisputed world champion, she obviously moves to 140 here against Chantel Cameron, um, yeah, I just cannot wait, it's, it's a brilliant fight, not long really as well, it's not too far to, not, not too far to wait now, just, uh, what are we, about eight weeks away, something like that, give or take, um, on the undercard, we will see as well Terry Harper, um, defending her WBA world title against former pound-for-pound pound number one, Cecilia Brackhouse. That's going to be, like I say, on the undercard, obviously, May 20th, Saturday in Dublin. And it's going to be live on The Zone. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic, fantastic 
fight again. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Terry Harper, really, because, you know, I think she needed a big name, and Brackhouse is a really tough fight, but, you know, Terry Harper looks a completely different fighter, much fitter, much stronger, up at 154. Um, crazy to think that she made the previous weight. I think she was, what, like a super featherweight. She's moved up so many pounds, and, uh, yeah, great stuff as well for her. In other news as well, um, Canelo Alvarez defends his undisputed titles against the UK's John Ryan. Friend of the show, of course, John Ryder. It's going to be May the sixth. That one in Mexico, so a homecoming there for uh, for for John Ryder. Uh, sorry, not for John Ryder, for for, uh, for for Canelo. John Ryder, look, you know, obviously massively up against it. There's no, you know, there's no question at all. He he's he's a huge, huge, huge underdog. But one thing is for sure, no one can begrudge. John Ryder this opportunity you know if anyone deserves it is him um he's had tough fight after tough fight after tough fight um you know obviously been on the receiving end of some dodgy scorecards and stuff like that and I'm just so pleased for him that he's got this opportunity I don't think he's got much of a chance I'm going to be honest with you because you know Canelo is just I mean this is one of the best fighters in the world and John Ryder although he's on this unbelievable run and he's probably the you know the most improved british fighter in recent times is still you know a mammoth step up in in competition this is just almost you know almost unimaginable for him to win this fight but listen all the best to him we've seen strange things happen in boxing um i'd love to see him do it honestly i think i would just i would jump i would jump around my living room i would i don't even know i'd probably go head first through my wall i'd be so pleased for him and in other news We've got the fact that uh, Joshua Boatzi's left matchroom and signed a promotional contract with Boxer and Sky Sports. Um, he's going to be fighting on May the 6th as well in Birmingham. Um, I don't know if they have an opponent for him just yet, but he's happy to be on Sky, you know, uh, and leaving the zone. So all the best to, to JB. Um, yeah, that's about it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start with a card that takes place tonight at the Place Bell in Laval, Quebec, Canada. Over here, we're going to see on the undercard Jessica Kamara, 10 and 3. This is over 10 2 minute rounds. She gets in with Carla Zamora, who's 9 and 9 with a draw. Just a small fight, really, to mention there for Jessica Kamara, who I think beat Callie Reese and should have been a world champion but got jobbed on the cards. And the main event, by the way, friend of the show Jean Pascal 36 and 6 with a draw gets in with Michael Effert who is 11 and 1 it's over 12 rounds I believe if I'm not mistaken this is some kind of eliminator um, and God knows how, you know, he's a friend of the show, but God knows how Jean Pascal has managed to get himself an eliminator, or it could even be a final eliminator, if I'm not mistaken. And the guy gets in with, like I say, 11 and 1 German fighter. Um, you know, he's not very good. From what I've heard, this is like, you know, a very, 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 very easy win for Jean Pascal. So all the best to him anyway. Um yeah, that's it for that one. Moving now to this card. It takes place on Friday at the Town Hall in Dudley, West Midlands, United Kingdom. It's not going to be televised, but a decent fight here for the vacant British super flyweight title. We've got um, Ayaz Ahmed, who is 10-2 with two draws. Listeners will know that he had two or three fights with Casey Kadami, friend of the show. Um, 
Ahmed is, you know, relentless pressure, but not a puncher at all. He gets in with Marcel Braithwaite, who's 14-3. and three. Again, not a puncher at all. You'd expect this one to go the distance. You know, I'd be shocked if either guy was able to get a knockout. But Braithwaite is the favourite, and I understand why. Um, you know, I've only ever seen Ahmed fight Casey Kadami, And like I say, I think I've seen him do 36 rounds. Kadami's so much more skilled. But um, Ahmed, you know, can put the pressure on and um, Kadami couldn't really keep him off in terms of, uh, you know, he didn't have enough power for Ahmed to respect him and he didn't have enough strength. I think Braithwaite, though, is, you know, a, a stronger, bigger guy and I think he'll be able to deal with Ahmed's pressure. You know, we've seen him beat Thomas Asomba, so um, I would say that Braithwaite will probably win this one on points. Is uh, is that's that's my pick anyway. But all the best to both guys. Don't really care who wins. Moving out now to Italy over here. This one takes place in Roma, Lazio. We have friend of the show, former world title, no, not world title challenger. Um, anyway, whatever. He he boxed Virgil Ortiz Jr. We've got Michael McKinson, twenty-three and one. It's over eight rounds here against Sergio dos Santos Carvalho, who is thirteen and one. Um, Michael McKinson, I know for a fact, didn't want to fight anyone with you know a bad record or anything like that. He just wanted to fight, and that's it. He wanted to fight someone. He wanted to keep active. He didn't care where the fight would be. So um, we had him on. I think probably about probably about a month maybe six weeks ago and he spoke about his fight it was going to be you know in March in in Italy he didn't have an opponent but he didn't want anyone with like I say a terrible record so he's opted for this guy who's 13 and 1 I can't tell you too much about the guy because I don't know it but all the best to Mikey McKinson I like his style I like his attitude and he'll certainly be back he's obviously still world ranked and, um, yeah, a top quality fighter. Uh, moving out now, though, Eddie, I'm going to come to you here. We're going to Dubai at the Agenda Arena. Um, I'm going to come to you for the main event, but the chief support, John O'Carroll, 23-2 and with a draw, gets in with Miguel Mariaga, 30-6. and That's over 10 rounds there. Really interesting fight, actually, this one. Carroll is the big favourite with the bookies, but, you know, I, again, don't think he's been too serious in his recent performances. He kind of um, has had the same sort of career in recent times as someone like a Badu Jack. I think he also, I think they've both moved to Dubai, and they've both been fighting in Dubai on these kind of really strange cards against no one of, of note, really. Um I mean, his last proper fight was in the States against Andy Vences. That was a year and a half ago. It was a cracking fight, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been overly impressive. You know, I think the performance of his career was probably that loss to Tevin Farmer, where he pushed Tevin Farmer quite close, but still lost. And obviously, sorry, beat Scott Quigg, didn't he? That was definitely the performance of his career. He was able to knock him out. But Miguel Mariaga, you know... Um, like I say, a big, big puncher, and you've pretty much got to be switched on for the entirety of the fight, and it's a 10-rounder here, and John O'Carroll obviously isn't a puncher at all, and I'm just wondering if, if um, Miguel Mariaga could maybe put it on John O'Carroll, and 
I don't I don't know if he if if he could stop him, but I don't think it's impossible. I think it's 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 a really interesting fight. I gave Mariaga quite a big shot against Michael Conlon in his last fight. Um, obviously, he was the one who was on the deck though in in round seven, eight, and nine. I think he if if my memory serves me right, I'm sure he did hurt Conlon and Conlon late at some point. Could be making that up, but yeah, he's not fantastic really. I'm going I'm giving it too much time here, but he's not fantastic. The Colombian, 36 years of age, but he can bang like I say 30 and 6 with 26 KOs um, it could be interesting though we'll, we'll have to see um, John O'Carroll sometimes you know in a, in a really good fight uh, so it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds but the main event Eddie it's such a weird one I cannot believe it um, I think you know who I'm talking about here Jarrell Big Baby Miller 25 and 0 with a draw gets in with Lucas Big Daddy Brown 31 and 3 Big Baby against Big Daddy Yo, know, stop making me laugh, Joe. <laughs> big baby, big daddy. Yeah, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a fight with the two bigs. One, one the baby, one the daddy. We're gonna see who's the daddy on the night of the fight, though. That's for sure. Um, you like that, right? <laughs> but um, you know, it's 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 you know, obviously, big daddy. I hate to say that loud. I'm actually in the store. I don't want nobody hearing me say that. But anyway. <laughs> No, but um, in in the past, maybe I would have given him more of a chance, you know, because, you know, he's a big puncher. He was strong. He was tough. And you don't really have to go f- looking for Jarrell Miller. You know, he's coming at you. He's 300 pounds most of the time. I, mean, I don't know what he's going to come in for this fight, but um, but at this time, he's a you're, little I older. I think you're being very generous. He was 328 last time out, Eddie. Oh, damn. My fault. I was throw some definitely re- pissed. Fr- throw some respect throw some on res- his weight. <laughs> or should I say, Those throw res- some throw some respect on his plate? <laughs> yo, yo, that was that, that was good, Joe. I'll give you that one. That was pretty damn good. Throw some respect, not on his name, but on his plate, or not on his weight, but his plate. Hell yeah! But no, <laughs> but anyway, um, it's just I think it's a as heavy task to ask him to 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 you know catch lightning a bottle twice. I think the you know the, the fight with Junior Fa is a good situation. I'm not saying that he you know he couldn't do that again. I mean he's a puncher. He's tough. He's he's gonna fight. He's gonna give you the best he can at this point. You know him being 43 or 44 years of age. But I just think with with Big Baby, you know he's he's, he's big. He's strong. He can punch. He's pretty decently skilled. You know what I mean? And and he's 300 and some pounds too. It's gonna be. I, you say heard me say something. And that weight does have an effect, especially if he's going to keep being able to pressure you. Now, like we we call uh we call we call him Big Daddy, but he's a big guy too. But I don't know. He's I don't know if he's going to come in anywhere close to that weight. And I don't know if he's ever had to really deal with being on the back foot in a fight or having somebody pressing him and making him have to fight at a pace he's not used to. But in a fight like this with Big with uh with Big Baby is going to be something he would have to do. Either that or he'd have to catch him and get him out of there. I'm not saying it's impossible. I it's definitely it's definitely possible with his punching power, but it's just not probable. You know what I mean? Most likely, I see Big Baby, you know, outlasting him, getting him to maybe I don't even know if it will, but possibly getting him to the middle rounds and end up stopping him. But uh, it'll be interesting. You know, the 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 Big Daddy versus Big Baby thing is. Is, is is interesting too so you just know this it's not going to go to distance i know that for sure 
Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. There's no way in the world this guy in 10 rounds. Um, both guys are friends of the show. I mean, I get on very well with Lucas Brown. I've, I think I've only had uh, Big Baby on the show maybe once. Um, but yeah, I mean, Big Daddy Brown, you know, uh, he's 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 just going to come to 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 bomb in in the first round you know that's we know is there's no surprises with him now we've seen it time and time again he's coming to get the knockout early he's not gonna have the gas tank late uh Jarrell big baby miller has been a totally different fighter since he come off his ban he's come back with obviously two wins since then he's weighed in at 341 pounds and 328 pounds um god knows what he's gonna come in come in in this fight like you touched on but yeah, I wasn't impressed with his comeback fight. Went in the distance with Ariel Bracamonte, who, you know, people will remember, got knocked out in two rounds by Fraser Clark, got got knocked out um, uh, by Dave Allen, retired on his stall. That was back in 2018. But without going too far away from it, he should have knocked out Bracamonte, and he didn't. He actually went 10 rounds with Bracamonte in Argentina. But, you know, he was rusty. He was coming off, like I say, almost four years out of the ring. And his last fight was able to knock out a guy who wasn't very good called Derek Cardenas, who's, you know, currently 8 and 10, been knocked out seven times. But, you know, got him out there in four rounds. There's not too much to read into. Um, all I will say is, like I say, it's not going to go the distance. Um, I, 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 I think Lucas Brown has a chance. I really do. I think, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas Brown actually knocked him out in, in, a, in a round or two. You know, I think um, Junior Farr is... is probably a better fighter at this point or was a better fighter before he lost to Lucas Brown uh you know compared to the version of Big Baby that we're seeing currently so I wouldn't be surprised to see um to see a, a first or second round knockout for Lucas Brown which of course would be crazy you know it's not like Miller's shown a bad chin in the past I think he's got a good chin you know he's, he's generally tough and uh and and you know he can punch as well but yeah, I'm not entirely sure we're even going to see the second half of the fight. I think we're going to see a stoppage and we're going to see it early. It could go either way. It's, it's, it's pretty much like that with all Lucas Brown fights. He usually gets the gets the win. Um, and, you know, we... we um, you know, we always talk about him like he's, you know, completely finished. Obviously, you touched on his age, 43 years of age, but still only lost just three fights out of 34. You know, he got he got beat by Dave Allen, by Dillian White, and by Paul Gallon, which, which you know, the Gallon one didn't look good. But other than that, it's always worked for him. He turns up, you know, and, and, and he bangs people out. That's what he does. I've had him on the show before. He said, I need to stop convincing myself I'm a boxer I'm not a boxer I'm just I need to stop trying to box I'm just here to bang people out and I believe that that is the right way for him to go and I think it's going to be interesting those tactics against Jarrell Big Baby Miller because here we're going to see him come for Miller very early and Miller as well like you said can punch can be quite skillful we haven't seen many skills recently from him so I think it's intriguing but I, I'm not entirely sure we get past uh, five rounds I think we could see a very early finish could be round one two or three but um, honestly nothing would shock me here but one of them is going that's for sure um, anyway moving on now to the Utilita Arena in Newcastle Tynum where this is going to be on the zone um on the undercard, we have Callum French, 3-0, getting in with with tough journeyman Jordan Jordan Ellison, 14-44 with three draws. That's over eight rounds. 
You'd expect Callum French to win that one on points, really. We've got Pat McCormack, 3-0, getting in with Dario Sochi, who is 15-7 with two draws. I think he got stopped by Troy Williamson, maybe in his only knockout defeat, I think, that guy there. Um, but anyway, Pat McCormack, 3-0, two KOs. Be interesting to see what happens here. It's over eight. Um... We've got Solomon Dakers, who I'm not even going to go in on this time. I've given him so much um, <laughs> constructive criticism in the past. Um, but yeah, he bores me to death. He's in a 10-rounder here. He's 5-0 and with 1KO. He gets in with the undefeated Robert Ismay, who's 11-0. and It's for the vacant English heavyweight title. Um, you'd expect Dakers to win the fight. You know, he's, he's, he's got skills. He's got, you know, an amateur pedigree and stuff like that. And I haven't heard of this Ismay guy. I think he's like mid-30s and hasn't really boxed anyone. So yeah, Solomon Dakers should win the fight. But um, will he win... By stoppage, probably not. Will he win on points over 10 rounds in a complete snooze fest? Probably yes. So um, not looking forward to that fight, but hopefully he can prove me wrong and it, it'll actually be exciting. But he has not been in a decent fight, Solomon Dakers. Every single fight is so boring. And for a heavyweight, you cannot afford to be boring as a heavyweight. So that's that. Um... Moving up the card once again, Hopi Price looking to move to 10-0. He's 9-0. He gets in with Thomas Masson, who is 20-5 with a draw. Only been stopped the one time in those five losses to Daigo Higa. I think back in 2017 when Daigo Higa was on that heck of a run where he was knocking everyone out. So I'm expecting Hopi Price to win this one on points. It's over 10 rounds for the vacant WBA Continental Super Bantamweight title. I quite like Hopi Price, really. I think he's got an interesting future. Um, so it's a good fight for him here against Thomas Masson and um, yeah should be you know should be able to win this one on points really and the main event is quite interesting Cyrus Patterson who is um, 5-0 it's for the vacant WBA international welterweight title he steps in with Chris Jenkins 23-6 and six with three draws um, yeah I mean it's a big big step up for Cyrus Patterson you know he hasn't boxed anyone near this level at all um, but the only problem is, is he getting Chris Jenkins at the right time? Again, Chris Jenkins is another guy who I think they could have probably got more from his career than what he ended up getting, because I think he's a you know good fighter, skillful fighter, and the rest of it, but he's just had such bad luck, whether it be cuts, whether it be poor scorecards. He's just never really had the, the luck of the green, and he's in bad form. He's lost three of his last four fights. I mean, lost to Echo Essiman, got stopped late in that one, got banged out in four rounds by Florian Marku, and then most recently, he lost to Tyrone McKenna, even though that was highly disputed, and most people thought he nicked it. So, I guess... Um, I guess that's not, a, that's not too bad of a last performance you know if they say that saying you're only as good as your last fight I think he was quite good in his last fight against Tyron McKenna but Tyron McKenna completely cannot punch so you know I don't know Cyrus Patterson I don't know even if he's much of a banger because the people that he's banged out are just nobodies so it's, it's an interesting fight this one honestly I could see Patterson getting the knockout I could see him winning on points I could see Jenkins winning on points I don't think I can see Jenkins stopping him but anyways it, it's, it's, it's interesting really but it's a hard one to predict so that is that for that one moving out now to the final card to mention it takes place at the Walter Pyramid or as the Americans would say the Walter Pyramid uh, not to um, 
confuse it with the transparent drink that we consume um the walter pyramid in long beach california which i'm sure no one from there says it like that but anyway it's going down on the zone we have friend of the show joseph jojo diaz 32 and 3 with a draw on the card he gets in with Masito gesta who i've seen before i think the filipino fighter um I can't remember who he boxed. I've seen him. I think it was um, Linares. Yeah, it was Linares. And I think that was a good fight, if I'm not mistaken. I remember that was an old Box Nation show, man. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I remember seeing him fight Linares. Something tells me that it was quite a good fight. It was in Inglewood. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the fight exactly, but I, I, I know he fought him and... Uh, something tells me it was a good one, but anyways, he gets in with Jojo Diaz, um, Jojo Diaz should have too much for him, really, let's be honest, I think it's a nice and easy comeback fight for Diaz after losing last time out to William Zapida, and then the time before that to Devin Haney, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Diaz to win on points, you know, that's, that's, that's probably how it's gonna go, but I can't see him having any problems, really, with, with Gesta. And it wouldn't surprise me if he did get him out of there. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But all the best to Jojo, who, again, has had some out-of-the-ring issues. I think I'm pretty sure I read that he got he got arrested for child neglect. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. And if I am getting it wrong, I'm certainly going to have to edit that out before I put this podcast out. But I'm sure he got arrested for child neglect, which... which uh, you know, we don't know the ins and outs, but obviously it's not a good look there, especially when you've got a fight penciled in for a few weeks' time, and that was the case. And the main event, I'm going to come to you, Eddie. We've got Gilberto Ramirez, 44-1 and of Mexico. Last time out, lost, of course, to Dimitri Bivol. Some people thought he would upset the, the, the odds and beat Bivol. I didn't think so. He lost quite handily in the end on points, went 12 rounds. Um, he's been at the weight now long enough. It's it's um it's not like he moved up and fought Bivol immediately in his first fight at 175. If you remember, he hung around at 175 for quite a long time before he decided to to you know to say okay, I want my shot now. Um, but yeah, anyway, gets in with Gabe Rosado, Eddie, 26 and 16 with a draw. Gabe Rosado up at light heavyweight here against someone who we know rehydrates to about 200 and God knows how many pounds. This is another mad fight for Gabe, who is coming off three losses on points in a row now. Yeah, man. <laughs> he has had the habit of getting in tough fights. Huh? Um, it, it's unfortunate for him, but at the same time, it's a good thing for him. I mean, he wants these fights, obviously, the opportunity to, you know, with one of these, he gets one win here. He beats a guy like this, he's backing heavy into the conversation. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of upside, a lot of a lot of gain. Then there's also obviously the money, you know, aspect that, you know, that's it, it, there that he can, you know, cash in on. Um, but it's just these fights are tough, man. They're with the elites of the elite. And, you know, at this stage in Gabe's career where a lot of people were, you know, there's whispers of like, you know, might be time for him to, you know, step aside. Um, for him to still be trying to compete at this level and still actually being able to do it, I don't know how this one's gonna go. But uh, in the past, he's been, you know, better than and at times being better than expected. Uh, but you know, with a guy like this, the prime of his career, you know, he had a tough loss. This is this is something that he wants to bounce back in a way. 
that you know puts people on notice and say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still a, a, a serious contender for these titles. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wants to prove that he's here to stay. With Gabe, it's like now he's moving up to 175 with a guy who, like you said, possibly could be a heavyweight on fight night. I don't know, man. Gabe's a big kid, too. He's not, you know, he's not a small guy. He's about six foot, six something, six, you know, I think six foot or so, five, eleven, six foot. So he's not small. It's just, you know, these guys are, are large. You know what I mean? They're, they're light heavies, but could be, you know, possibly even go to cruiser because of their, their, their height. You know what I mean? I don't know about their bone density and all of that, but these are big guys. So, you know, being that he's a little, you know, a little, you know, far in the game and, on top of that, he's fighting these these young and, and up and coming some of you know guys who are already actually have arrived, you know being champions and former world champions at this stage in his career is tough. But um, like I said, it only takes one, and you know I don't see it happening in you know here. I just hope he doesn't get stopped and doesn't look bad. Uh, but uh, it, it it can. It only takes one shot, and all of a sudden you're back. Yeah, I mean, I don't give him a chance at all in this fight, like, at all. I, I, this is like, you know, if the odds were good, I'd put every penny to my name on Ramirez winning this fight. I don't I don't give him a chance in hell. Um, obviously, I don't think he should be up at 175. He's fighting a big, big, big guy, you know, weight, weight classes aside. This is, like I said, a guy that rehydrates massively. It's his first fight of the way. He's in, you know, he's in terrible form, losing three in a row. Um, and, and it just comes down for me to, to whether or not he's going to get stopped or not. I think if he goes the distance, there's a moral victory in there. If he gets stopped, um, then it will be the first time he's been stopped in over eight years since he got stopped back in 2014 to David Lemieux. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at his recent form, um, obviously Ramirez coming off a loss as well, lost to Bivol, but you look at Gabe's recent form, you know, losing to, to Jaime Munguia, you know, he completely, uh, you know, was dominated that fight there. Then he lost to Shane Mosley Jr., don't forget. And then he lost to Ali Akhmadov as well. Um, like I say, he's gone the distance on every occasion there. But this is this is a big jump from the likes of Shane Mosley Jr. and Ali Akhmadov. So, um, yeah. And like I say, at a, at a you know, at the weight class above, I just, there's there's not a chance in hell that he wins this fight for me. But um, I don't want to see him get, I Steve, you know, I don't want to see him like, you know, I don't like that at all. I, I think Gabe seems like quite a cool character, um, and yeah, I, I don't want to see him sprawled out on the floor in a heap, you know, fighting on for too long. I think he does need to think about retirement, but you know, he's a stubborn character as well, which we know. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part, then we spoke to our special guest, the former unified super bantamweight world champion, Mr. Brandon Figueroa. Then in part two, we did the news, and then I've just wrapped up the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 387 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the former unified super bantamweight world champion, Mr. Brandon Figueroa. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Um, There was one mistake that I made earlier on in the podcast, and it's that I completely forgot to go over the fight that we saw 
obviously headlining France on the weekend. I spoke about all of the 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 undercard fights, but we didn't touch on the main event. Obviously, we saw um, Carlos Takam upset the odds massively against Tony Yoka. Yoka now eleven and two. Takam now forty and seven with a draw. Um, amazing stuff for Carlos Takam. I mean, what a way to get win number forty for him. It's a big number, of course. But on last week's show, I literally touched on this. I did say Carlos Takam, I think, is going to be bang up for this. I think he was he was uh, you know well motivated to get in with Yoka who as I said on last week's show, I said it all. He was coming off a loss. Um, Takam was in decent form. Obviously, should have got the decision against Makhmadov last time out. And yeah, he was going to be back up, uh, uh, back at home and bang up for the fight. And I said, it's worth a little bet at 18-1 to 1 for Carlos Takam on points. And that is what ended up happening. I'm hoping that at least a couple of you got on that. But yeah, split decision for Carlos Takam. Should have been unanimous. Um, and yeah, it was... Um, of course, over 10 rounds, so magnificent stuff there for Carlos Takam. I don't have Eddie with me at the minute, so we're not going to discuss it too much, but brilliant for him. He was able to obviously outwork Yoka, and yeah, it was just it was just a brilliant performance from Carlos Takam at his age. It's super impressive, but anyway, I won't go in on the fight any further. What I do want to say once again is um, just thanks for listening to you all. Please, if you do have a spare couple of minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. They really do mean a lot to us those reviews and if you do want to improve your below the waist hygiene visit manscaped.com and use that promo code boxhard for 20% off plus free shipping but that's about everything now from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week